Welcome to episode 336 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was engineered on Thursday, 10th of August, 2023. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. I recorded today's show in Glasgow at the UCI World Cycling Championships. I'm Carlton Reed, and as well as a 50-kilometer hilly bike ride on the all-new S-Works Tarmac SL8 road bike, I got a chance to talk with Specialized Founder and today's Chairman, Mike Sinyard, and the company's global marketing lead, Ben Edwards. You have a very, very nice bike yeah. here. Yeah. Now, you're not here just to launch the no. bike. There's a kind of a nice event happening. Well, event. Many, many events just happening outside here. So you've been to quite a few of the, the World Championship events. Yes, through the, through the years. This, this year, coming on 50 years for Specialized. Wow. It's yeah. a long time. Yeah. No, but this is quite beautiful to have the Super Worlds. You know, and Everything. All, you all, the the events, yeah. all the events here at one time is... Uh, is quite special. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Have you been to Glasgow before? No, no, no. Scotland? Uh, you must have been to Scotland before. Yeah, for various yeah. championships down the years and stuff. Uh, no, I haven't. Really? No, for different championships, no. So the bike that you've you've you're, you're launching yes. here. Uh, there's people riding it in these events, or why why launch it? Just because there's tons of bike media and tons of bike people out. Why are you? Well, Why here? Well, so we've been working on this bike. We say this is everything we know for 50 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and although it, it doesn't look that exotic, it is. It's, it really is a, the sum of everything that we've done with this bike is very, very special. So um, that, 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 I know it was going to be called the Snot Rocket at, some, at one point, I yeah. heard. Uh, <laughs> oh, which I like is, that. It, it's good not to be the, the Snot Rocket. <laughs> Uh, but that is quite a bulbous nose you've got yeah. there, Mike. Yeah, we call that the, uh, the nose uh, s- speed, what is it? The speed sniffer. Speed, speed sniffer. sniffer. Yeah. Yes. yeah, we thought that was good. Better yeah. than a snot rocket, I, I definitely agree <laughs> with that. Not. So is that, is that, because I also read that uh, almost 50% of the aero savings are coming from the handlebars. So it's what's, what's happening here is the handlebars. In fact, Ben knows more of the detail than I do. Yeah, really but, what it comes down to is after, you know, like Mike said, you know, decades of development, and you know, now we're, you know, had our wind tunnel for a decade. The aero understanding of the team is is incredible, and they've really identified that. Look, we need to attack the leading edge of this bike in a brand new way. Attack the leading edge in a way we haven't seen before, and attacking the leading edge like that, whether it's the bars, the head tube, the fork blades, gave them incredible opportunity in the rear of the bike to work on lightweight ride quality, to bring all of those features together in a way that has never been done. So really, when you look at the arrow of the spike, it's really about attacking arrow where it truly matters. And then everywhere else, we work on that ride quality, that lightweight, 
and that's how that combination comes together. That's Specialized Global Marketing Lead Ben Edwards there. And you can see him, Mike and me in a video of part of this interview that I've embedded on the show notes page on the-spokesmen.com. But now, back to Glasgow. And then you've had your gender-neutral stance for two, two years, more than two years? The Beyond Gender? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, much more than two years. More than two years. Yeah, I think... So this is a bike that, this is not going to be shrink it and pink it as a different version. This is going to be the same version for women. And we discovered, I think it was like five years or six years. Five, six years. Oh, more sorry. Yeah, and in fact, when we, you know, we have all the retool data and Mm. we had all this data from the different riders and we've, and we really found that there was, sometimes there was more difference between two men Mm -hmm. in some cases than a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, uh, taking that analysis also on the shoes. So it was like, but in areas that really make a difference on on the saddles and other areas, then we really go deep, but we didn't want to try to create a difference where there wasn't a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? But yeah, and it has less SKUs as well. You kind of like, well, yeah, and it was just more logical. And a lot of times the the women were saying, Hey, I want to ride the regular, Mm. the regular tarmac instead of the Mm. mirror. So, so it was kind of like one of those aha moments. So that's an exotic beast. And is that the one I'm riding tomorrow? Or is it, what are we riding tomorrow? So we're riding tomorrow. Riding yeah. that tomorrow. So that's an exotic, I mean, in, in English money, that's 12,000 pounds. So it's an expensive beast. And that one's Remco's. So you're not riding that one. Not that particular one, no. But, but, but you know, what is cool is like, you know, the one that we sell is the same one. Yes. Yes. That you buy, right. And it's, uh, yeah, very, very special layout. And the, the bikes we're going to be riding tomorrow and the course uh, we're on, fantastic that we are riding such exotic, beautiful 12,000 pound machines. But anybody out there who hasn't got 12,000 pounds to spend, the technology on here is on the other layers of bike as well, the other iterations, but not the, the handlebars. Is that right? Is that handlebars is on the top? You, you can get the handlebars on the top two levels of bike. Mm-hmm. Right, so yeah, we do bring the handlebars down, but when you look at the frame set itself, that same technology. So if you buy an expert level bike, you're going to have the exact same type of ride quality, type of feel, type of stiffness, type of aero advantage out of the frame set you get out of that $12,000 S-Works. It is a different carbon. Yeah, the, the layup, mm. the material of the carbon and the layup is, is a lower level. I think what's, what's so impressive about it though is this bike's frame weighs 685 grams, right? Which makes it the lightest frame on the world tour. You look at the fact 10R carbon, which is that next level down, that more entry level bike, that weighs only 100 grams more, hmm. which still makes it potentially the second or third lightest bike. And Ben, how much is that? Tour. So? Oh, we, we can get you all the prices and sell sheets and everything, so you have all those details really accurate based on you know, the, the latest news from the market. Okay, it's frightening the way that you said that it's dollar, dollar pound parity. That's quite frightening, because normally it would be like almost half, you know, when you say dollar. It used to be. It used to be. Anyway, that's, that's our economics problems, not yours. No. Um, so when, when I was with you in Morgan Hill in 2015, uh, one of the questions I know I asked was about uh, how much of your company will become an electric bike company. And I probably said in five, 10 years, um, and I'd have to go back and actually see with my notes and see what you said there. But 
has that accelerated faster than you thought, or you think it's the same? The, the kind of the trajectory is what you maybe thought in 2015 of where we'd have, as a global bike industry, where we'd have e-bikes today. Yeah, good point. I would say it's definitely accelerated. It's accelerated more than we thought, and I would say because the acceptance on two fronts. On, on one, the enthusiast front of going, that's really cool and it's not pedestrian or that's not because I'm a weak rider. It's even cooler, right, on that side. And then I think on the other side, a lot of people that maybe weren't riders or hadn't ridden for a long time come in. And so it's kind of made, made it easier for cycling mm. to really be social. You know, I mean, it's a pretty tough sport, right? It's all about, you know, dropping people and things like that. But it's like with, with the electric, hey, everybody can have fun. And you can determine how much you want to work, right? And so I think it's just made, like years ago, when the mountain bike came out, I, I would say that the beautiful thing about the mountain bike is everybody was invited in. Young kids, middle-aged kids, old kids, you know, whatever. And it was like, it wasn't who was the fastest, it was who had the most fun. So it really made the activity of cycling much greater, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the road thing historically was a little bit too narrow. So, so for that reason, and I think just the fun of it, and people realizing, hey, I can get around quickly on the bike, and I can still get a lot of workout. I mean, so many people I know, they got one of our Levos or one of those other bikes and they go, geez, you know, I've lost 10, 10 kilos, mm -hmm. you know, just from riding this bike and I feel great. Mm -hmm. right? So They are beautiful bikes. I've, I've had one right. on the test. Thank you. Yeah. So it's, it's great. Uh, I think from that standpoint, and I would say it's going to continue to go. So you're known for these bikes here, of course, yeah. but you're also known for your e-bikes. So how... What's the proportion between specialized e-bikes and specialized road, or just any other bike that isn't electric? Yeah, um, you mean as far as the, the business? Mm. Yeah, I, I would say it's, uh, it's getting to be about a little less than half the electric. Okay. Yeah, in the business. So other companies are definitely almost 60%, 70% percent yeah. they are going there. Do you, do you see specialized yeah, going? Yeah, I, I see it going there. And, and, but I would say this part, um, we call it the, <laughs> the muscular bikes. <laughs> this one guy in Latin America, he calls it the human bikes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have to laugh. Sometimes we joke in the U.S. that these are the Amish bikes. <laughs> but, but, but I would say they were always known for this, right? And the mountain bikes as well. So we, we, we keep going with that. So 50-50 so is... It's pretty good. I must go back to my notes from, I should have done this before I came here, just to find out what you said back then. I don't put think you I on said the as much. No, you probably thought it'd no, be a bit less. No, it, it, and the ad adoption has been really good. And I would say the people that came in with the electric, I would say we brought new people into the activity, for sure. Because I'm a historian. So I'm a historian of cycling in the 1890s, uh, early 1900s when all of those bike companies actually morphed into either motorbike companies yeah. or an awful lot of them, like Dodge, all, 
Chrysler, they all became um, car companies. So yeah. the bike became a car. And it's very, you can, you can imagine the segue of a, a bike becoming a motorbike quite easily. But oh, yeah. It, you know, well, Honda is a perfect example. Yeah. Futuro Honda, right? Yeah. yeah. So my question would have been then, um, would have been probably the same, would have been, um, can you ever imagine a time where Specialized is almost like Harley-Davidson in that it's only motorized bicycles. Do you think there's always going to be a space for the human bicycle in Specialized? Because a lot of those bike companies that were bike companies, 100%, within 20, 30 years, you know, were, were motorbike companies. Right. Could the same happen to Specialized? No. Why not? No. <laughs> because we're too crazy about this part of it. And, and, in, and in fact, you know, it's funny, when you're a peddler, like you are, mm -hmm. and then you get on like a, a Levo or a Creo, you appreciate it even more, right? Because mm -hmm. you know, you know, it's kind of like, the, that's why we say it's you only faster, right? So the appreciation is it's you and then the extra. So I would say for us, no, no, we're always going to be with the, with the human bikes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it is going to get smaller. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think certain of the, of the segment, like the road bike and the mountain bike, and there's this, as you know, there's a certain purity mm. to that that's really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm going to cut in there for a quick commercial break, and I'm going to take you across to my colleague, David. Hello everyone, this is David from the Fredcast and, of course, the Spokesman, and I'm here once again to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn build bikes that make it easier for you to replace car trips with bike trips. Part of that is being committed to designing useful bikes that are also fun to ride. But an even greater priority for Turn is to make sure that your ride is safe and worry-free. And that's why Turn works with industry-leading third-party testing labs like EFBE and builds its bikes around Bosch e-bike systems, which are UL certified for both electric and fire safety. So before you even zip off on your turn, fully loaded and perhaps with a loved one behind, you can be sure that the bike has been tested to handle the extra stresses on the frame and the rigors of the road. For more information, visit www.turnbicycles.com to learn more. And now, back to the spokesman. Thanks, David. And we are back in Glasgow with Mike Senyard and a little bit of Ben Edwards. And we, we had a... I'm saying we... The industry had a good COVID yeah. in that we sold a whole ton of bikes. Kind of, it was pretty well expected that it probably wouldn't last and we would yeah. have this major falling yeah. off a cliff, which we did. Where are we now? Are we, are we climbing back up that cliff? Have we, have we suffered so much from that glut of inventory that it's, it's even going to take a few years from now? Where, where do you see the industry as a whole, not just specialised? Yeah. Where do you see the industry right now? Mark? Well, I would say, yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, you know what I loved about, uh, I guess you say, the good thing about the COVID, right? Mm. In some ways, it brought people back to their regular to their values of the the family and the home. And whenever there's a lot of stress in the world, 
a lot of time people return to the bicycle and even sometime when there's like in different parts of the world there's a lot of layoffs like the Silicon Valley everybody laid off well guess what <laughs> bikes people are riding their bikes like crazy mm-hmm. and, and I think we saw that during COVID and and so I think there's a lot more cyclists out there now and I would say okay it went up a little bit it went up a lot and nobody could keep up mm. but I would say did it come it hasn't come back to the lower level that it did before. It's still higher. Right. Because so, you founded your company when the bike boom was based, the, the 70s bike boom was pretty much finished. It was, right. it was in de- the death throes right. when, you, right. when you founded your company. So you've been through an, a, well, an enormous small, amount of booms. Everything seemed like an improvement. Do <laughs> mm. you think there was enough people kind of came along, like Cannondale was at the same time, Trek yeah. obviously was roughly at the same time. Yeah. So those companies came about and, and you know, ate Schwinn's yeah. breakfast eventually, but they came about because of the boom and then stuck around. You think the similar is going to happen in that the, the industry will kind of catch up and, and stay at a higher level than pre-COVID? Yes, I think it is. I think it is already to, to the higher level and it definitely is for us at that higher level. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll maintain their and um, but probably not for all as you've read there's been a lot of people leaving you know because of this because of the the crunch Mm -hmm. but I think long term or even this year and next year is better do you think there are too many brands? pardon? do you think there are too many brands? well that's for the consumer to decide (laughs) yeah it seems like seems like a lot Um, but you know there's uh, all kinds of flavor for different people and and um, but I think cycling you think about all the forces coming together right environmental things Mm. and for sure the the thing of people wanting to express themselves and and feel free riding the bike and then people I think we're ended up with so many lifetime cyclists now really believe that mm-hmm. and the e-bike is adding to that mm. the, the momentum continues that way and so you mentioned environmental there so that, that was going to be one of my questions now would have been where do you see the bicycle in, in a climate change in a world of climate change do you see that as a growth area or do you still see it's going to be health where's, where's the future growth going to come from do you think there'll be any boost from the growing awareness of, of climate change and maybe how we should be getting around in, by different means. Well, I think we already see it and I think there will be even more in the future. And in fact, for people living in the city, whether they're doing it for climate benefit, it's just practical. You can get around, whereas in the car you're stuck. You know, maybe take you an hour and on the bike and take you 15 minutes and you feel better and I believe that more you know we have the outride that we've been working on and and started 11 years ago with Harvard Medical and now working with Stanford and mm. all these students we have 50,000 kids go through so I would say we have proved that the, the kids and the research has proven as a fact, not a, a hypothesis, but a fact 
that how cycling lights up your brain. We even mm. have that device, right? The device, the helmet device, and you can see like a, a person, you know, before and after and during, and, and it's a fact, right? Mm. And it's just opening it up. And so, you know, as we say, pedals, pedals not pills. Mm -hmm. Sometimes these kids just need to get out and ride and, and light up their brains. Um, and so we proved that that works is a fact. And I'm proud of that. And it's not about specializing in the bike industry. It's a much bigger thing. But that was the thing I wanted to happen is just to prove it to where at some point even your next door neighbor will know that that is a fact. And where did gravel fit in for you? Yeah, gravel. Um, well, I think it's um, it's a wonderful thing being able to you know you think about gravel and it's like I think the road bikes even all the road bikes are gravitating. One one thing I wanted to mention about the outride. Mm. It, 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 here's another thing: is um, in the world, you know, the thing for aging adults with uh, dementia, mm -hmm. that one of the things we believe, and we believe that we can prove, that the even more impact for aging adults in staving, you know, keeping off the dementia mm -hmm. from lighting up the brain. Mm -hmm. we're, we're sure of it, and some of the early research shows that, mm -hmm. right? You mm -hmm. know, because it is a circulatory issue. Mm -hmm. But you know, and then you talk about gravel. Well, I think it's the idea of the of the bigger tire, like the riding your son is doing or whatever, it just makes sense, right? Mm. You can go on the gravel, you know, you hear a car behind you, you pull over, keep riding, go on the dirt. I think it's just, it's the way to go, right? I'm assuming that you're still doing your lunchtime rides. Yeah. And you're still going out. Are you going on a gravel bike or are you going on a road bike? Do you mix um, it up? Well, where we live is more on the on the road bike, mm. but most of the riding I do now is off road, mm -hmm. on the mountain bike or like on a diverge or something. I like that a lot. And then, have you are you part of the design process here? Uh, I, do you I, do you put input in, or are you like? Well, I, I like to, I like to taste it <laughs> uh, on some things. Um, I, I'm not to the level to to communicate about this, but I definitely, I can feel the difference of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, what, do you, what do you ride? So you, do you kind of like get a brand new bike all the time? I'm, I'm gonna, well, anybody you know, would go, oh, well, you know, I just get so many new bikes. So I always like riding with different people, so, so, so I'll ride the Epic, go off in the, in the woods, right in Epic, or sometime we have a bigger group from this one house that I have. Mm -hmm. So we'll all go out on Levo's so everybody's equal. Mm -hmm. um, I love riding the Diverge. So you haven't like got a favorite bike from the 1990s or something that fits you and it's just oh, you mean an old bike? bike? Well, just, just, you know, what bike, would you always go out on the latest iteration, the latest model that you've got, or would you, do you have yeah, a favorite just, bike from a while back? I always uh, go, ride the new one mm. and then and then I realize then I can feel the difference of the new one and then I'm I still like the old one so I end up keeping it but 
the difference is a lot. And then you look at the old bikes and go, that's good. And then you ride it and go, eh, not that good. <laughs> so obviously, bike industry people or any product people in any sphere say the latest bike, the latest tin of beans or whatever. That's the, that's the greatest. But you're saying here, because I'm, I'm now going to bring us all the way back to, yeah. to, to this bike. So you're saying that is the one bike and that's all the technologies which you've been you've been uh, uh, premiering over the yeah. last 50 years that it's all in that one bike and that's now what you would say is the ideal bike which then makes begs the question well, what, what are you doing next year and the year after well and, and sometimes that's when the team does something I go hmm now what are we gonna do next time to make it that much better and um, what I like about this bike is like also this could be the race bike this is the race bike for the top top riders but also you just want a great bike this is the bike and it's also because of the compliance of the bike i always like a bike with a lot of compliance because mm -hmm. i like going for the long rides and i like the feel of the bike you know to be like i like bigger tires and that feeling i don't like it like too sharp like that I like the feel I like and that's why I like riding uh, the crux a lot and riding in that in the dirt I almost feel like it has a certain suspension with the with the frame mm -hmm. yeah because I was basing my question that on like almost on the iPhone like the, the new iPhone is coming out next month but you know for a fact that the engineers you know in two years time have got this even better iPhone. So they, the yeah. executives come on the stage. This is the best it's iPhone 15, we've ever had. It's the 15 that's coming out, right? Yeah, and they've got to say, well, actually, in their heads, they must know yeah, we've got even a better, you know, iPhone coming out next year. And how do you sell that? Yeah. And yeah. Well, it's like. So always, how much progression can you make in the bike? Well, you know what? It's always the question, right? And as soon as you get it, you get that done. You're thinking, hmm, what? Well, you know, there's always material advancements and other things and other ways of testing and it's like you know kind of making a bike like that it's like formula one if you ever read about that you know like we worked with mclaren before mm. and it's like every little thing mm. everything every little tiniest thing and all those little things added up makes a big difference right you know sometimes like the team will do something new on the tire with the compound mm. <laughs> Or the, or the other things, and you go, oh my gosh, and you can. What I love is when you can. You ride it, and you can feel it, and you go, God, how'd you do that? Well. It wasn't one thing; mm. it was maybe, a couple hundred things mm. that adds up together as a package. Together, right? I always mm. like that, like Formula One. I'm not really a fan, but I like the process of like a car crashes and they bring all those parts back and they look at this and every, you know, like McLaren when uh, Dennison was there doing that, it was like, that's a, it's a way of thinking, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. that's, um, that we apply into something like this. Thanks to Mike Sinyard there and a little bit of Ben Edwards too. And thanks to you for listening to episode 336 of the Spokesman podcast brought to you in association with Turn Bicycles. Show notes and more can be found at the-spokesman.com.
gmail.com. The next episode will be a traffic counting special out later this month. But meanwhile, get out there and ride.